people. Hello, my friends, and welcome back to No Normal People. I'm your host, Stephen Henning, and this week I have the tremendous pleasure of bringing an interview I did with my friend, Rachel Bonner. Rachel and I met back when I was in the 10th grade of high school at a local production. We were in a show called The Buddy Holly Show. Rachel is an actor, she's a singer, she's a wife, a mother, a financial advisor, a leader of a branch of a financial advisor here in Billings named First Financial, married to a high-performing leader, business owner, running glass specialists here in Billings. I learned a lot from Rachel this week, especially our discussions around her morning habits and her routines that she's built into her life. Gonna have to buy myself a planner after this conversation. So listen in to see how she manages her day, how she keeps balanced, how she keeps healthy, She's another one of those incredibly inspiring women that I am fortunate enough to have in my circle. I really hope this show has been an inspiration to you listening. I hope you can get in line at your favorite coffee shop or look over to the desk next to you at work and realize that everyone you come into contact with has interesting stories. Everyone grew up somewhere. Everyone was born at one point, so everyone has a family. Everyone has something that gives them the juice. Whether it's their work or not, everyone has something that they could always be thinking and talking about when they're not called upon to be thinking and talking about anything else. I really just want to encourage everyone following here on the No Normal People podcast. Maybe you are following us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, you know, whatever we do on social media and the people that we bring onto this show. These are the quote unquote normal people. I go to church with these people. I work with these people. I happen to know them because I took my headphones out at the coffee shop and struck up a conversation, offered a handshake. I just don't want that vision to be lost on this show. I really hope that you can take away from this podcast that you could be filling my role. I really don't need to be here behind the microphone. I just happen to be because I wanted an excuse to be podcasting. I didn't want a podcast that was all about, you know, the next big author or artist or thought leader. We have enough podcasts like that out on the internet, quite honestly. So I wanted to give a voice to the people who are just podcast listeners like yourself. A voice to people who open up Spotify and listen to their favorite music. A voice to people who pick up the books at their local bookstore or order it on Amazon. I don't know. I just, I just hope as this show continues to grow, people continue to engage. I just hope that the, the real engagement is happening off of my social media and out of my email inbox. If there's one takeaway to this show, it's really our kind of cardinal quote that we have every guest read. It's that the only normal people you know are the ones you don't know very well. So take the time, take the headphones out every once in a while, 
Smile at someone as you enter a coffee shop. Just create a connection. It's really what the show is about. So I hope that's never lost on you who get to listen to this show. I'm so grateful for people who have been connecting with us. And I just hope that this message ultimately could continue to grow. Well, I think that's enough of me, enough of my rant here. Without further ado, here's the interview I did with my friend, Rachel Bonner. We're going to get started with rapid fire questions, either or from the gut. Don't feel like you have to think too hard. Okay. Instagram or Twitter? Instagram. Oceans or lakes? Oceans. Rain or sun? Sun. Tea or coffee? Coffee. Early morning or late night? Early morning. Summer or winter? Summer. Beaches or mountains? Beaches. Libraries or museums? Museums. Cats or dogs? Dogs. Pancakes or waffles? Waffles. Sunrise or sunset? Sunset. Sweet or savory? Sweet. Do you call it soda or pop? Mm, Both. Hogwarts or the Shire? Hogwarts. Disney or Pixar? Disney. Books or movies? Movies. Handshakes or hugs? Hugs. Introvert or extrovert? Extrovert. That's a silly question. Phone calls or texts? Phone calls. More open-ended icebreaker questions here. What is your favorite candy? Ooh, can it be a chocolate bar? It absolutely may be. Okay, the thousand bar. Oh my gosh, you probably don't know what it is. Hundred grand? No, hundred grand. Yeah, yeah something yeah. like that. That one or Carmelo. Okay. Mm-hmm. What is your favorite snack? Ooh, chips and salsa or chips and queso. Favorite morning drink? Ooh, well, Spark from Advocare. I oh, am I allowed to say really? that? Absolutely. Like use names? Yeah, oh, well, we buzz market away. It is the first thing I've drank for like the last 10 years. Really? Oh, yeah. And if I don't have it, I'm all thrown off all day. Is that like a smoothie? No, it's um, it's a mental focus energy drink. Oh. And it doesn't make you crash. And it has all your vitamins in it. Wow. Yeah, so it gives, it gives you a psh in the morning. What is your favorite city? Ooh, favorite city. San Diego. Hmm. I guess you did say beaches and sunrise mm-hmm. and all these things. Yep. And you live in Montana. I know, right? I what tried is, leaving, but I came back. What is with that? Okay. Favorite smell? You know, my grandma had a smell and it was my favorite smell, but it was like a mixture of three or four different perfumes. Okay. So I can't tell you what that is. You so it was like a it. perfume. No, but every once in a while, she's no longer here, but every mm. once in a while it like comes through and I'm like, oh, she's watching Aww. me. She's here. That's fantastic. Yeah. Okay, but if that's not a good answer, Downey. That's a good... (laughs) Downey's also acceptable. (laughs) Favorite TV show? Oh, gosh. Do you watch much TV? I didn't for years, but right now I'm all wrapped up in Riverdale, Mm. which is like a high school show, but I love it. Yep. What is your favorite ice cream flavor? Oh, gosh. Anything with caramel and hot fudge. What are foods you will never eat? I used to say coleslaw, but it's grown on me. I think I'm getting older. <laughs> um, I don't like spaghetti. Really? Yeah. Wow. Just Italian food in general, but no, I love specifically it. like specifically spaghetti. The noodles. Yes. Is that what gets you? Mm-hmm. Mm. Yep. Okay. Good to know. Won't serve that to you <laughs> next time. Who is the smartest person you know? And this could be either you know them personally or you know of them. I would say my dad. Hmm. Yeah. Do you have a secret talent? Oh, gosh. Well, I can touch my nose with my tongue. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So for now, we'll go with that. 
There you go. What was your first job? My first actual job going in was helping people at the hospital. Uh, mm. Candy striper. Really? And then my first paid job was Morgan Stanley. Okay. Filing and, you know, doing grunt work. Do you have a historical hero? Elvis Presley. What is the worst fashion trend you've ever participated in? I, oh, MC Hammer Pants or the, yeah, mm-hmm, that was me in sixth grade. Yeah. Yes. Or the socks. We used to layer them up over our pants and you wear like three or four pairs of socks over each other and layer them up. Wow. Yeah. Or the jeans that you rolled in and then rolled. I mean, there's a lot. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All of those are terrible. What was your first live concert? Boys to Men. What has been the best live concert you've attended? Oh, best li- Rolling Stones. No way. Yahweh. I'm jealous. If you could have one superpower, what would it be? Moving stuff. Moving stuff. Being able to move things with my eyes. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Wouldn't that be cool? Almost like the force. Yeah. What comes to mind when I ask you what your proudest achievement is? I think I've had a lot throughout my life. And as you get older, they change. So now answering would be uh, Savvy, my little girl. Mm, yeah. Beautiful. What did you have for breakfast? I had a premier protein caramel shake. Uh, what would you eat for your last meal? Pizza. Any specific toppings? I'd be or happy. just pizza. Just pizza. Just literally just give me pizza. Yeah. And if I could have two <laughs> things, I'd add ranch and just dip it in there and just. That is the best way to have it. pizza. Yeah. I completely agree. Dixie yeah. looks at me like I'm an alien when I do that. I love it. But yes, I, I love it too. Uh, okay. And finally, what did you want to be when you grew up? I wanted to bag groceries at Albertsons. <laughs> what? <laughs> Oh, it wasn't actually Albertsons. It was called Butchery's. Okay. So when I was really little, I just thought being the bagger was the coolest job at the grocery store. And that is honestly what I wanted to do. No, no visions of being an astronaut or. No, no. I thought it was so cool. Wow. And to this day, I like bagging my own groceries. I don't know why. It's a thing. Oh, you like going to Winco then. I, well, I haven't been there yet. They, you bag your own. Really? Yep. Oh, County Market used to let you yeah, bag they, your own. They send them down another belt on the other side of the cashier and you just, you bag yourself. Oh, see, that's awesome. Yeah. And then. Acting came up soon after that, but okay. I mean, I'm talking like my very first, like some people want to be unicorns. I wanted to be a grocery bagger. Wow. Was yeah. there, okay. Is there a story there? Is there, was there a grocery bagger, like a sweet old lady when you were growing up that you just absolutely loved and she was your best friend? Well, they knew us at Butchery's. Okay. And it was in the Heights. Yeah. And so whenever we'd go through, they'd talk to my mom and they'd let me help. Oh, and it seemed okay. like such an honor to be able to help because you weren't supposed to touch it. So it was kind of like an off limits thing that they were letting me as a little kid help with. Wow. So maybe okay. that's why. Yeah. You got to be involved. Yeah. They, they were asking you to help and mm-hmm. join the team. But there's some that's gratification <laughs> I get out of it still. So I don't know. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very particular when I bag my own groceries because uh, my dad used to be a grocery bagger at King Supers in Denver. Mm-hmm. And, uh, at a young age, I was probably eight or nine. He was teaching me, okay, you look for the heavy stuff to put on the bottom and like boxes colds go in colds. one. Colds good and colds and produce and produce. And yeah. Like, I still I'm, separate I'm, it out too, hoping I'm, that whoever's doing it will like section it out like that. Cause I'm like, I'm keeping it together. I'm very particular. Yeah. Even the way you load it 
to like slide up to the cashier. Yes. And then they're always like reaching over and just grand- grabbing stuff out of other categories. Yeah. It's like, what do you, d- I did that. That doesn't go in the fridge. I did this all for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you never put two jars next to each other in case they break. Right. They don't teach that stuff anymore. I wish. <laughs> yeah. No, in high school, they need to teach bagging groceries and yes. personal finance. <laughs> I agree. I agree. <laughs> That's very good. Yeah. Okay. Rachel Bonner. Yes. Thank you for joining the podcast. Thanks for inviting me. Let's uh, get introduced to you a little bit. Okay. Let's start with where you grew up. Where did you spend your childhood? I grew up in Billings, Montana, in the Heights. I lived off of Yellowstone River Road, which is, I throw that out there because that was my childhood years. We used to ride our bikes down to uh, Yellowstone River. Yeah. And along the path. And then my dad would always bring us up some crazy journey. We'd always find a different way to the top to get back home. Oh, wow. And I'll never forget. There were sometimes, and my brother's six years younger than me. So when we were doing these bike rides, I was probably seven or eight. Well, I guess I had to be older. I'm terrible with math. Joke because I'm an advisor. Uh, But I remember looking down some of them. He'd be like, this wasn't a good idea. But we'd get so far committed that we couldn't stop. So we just had to get to the top. And there were times that my mom would have just been dying watching her little kids. Okay. You know, with my dad letting it like, come on, guys, step here, step there. And my brother falling down rocks and me being like, what are we doing? What's happening? We're going to die. Then we get to the top and my dad would be like, that might not have been the best idea. Yeah. (laughs) But he only tells you that after. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because you can't in the middle as a parent start freaking out. When, no. you, when you know going down is just as dangerous as going up again. Right. <laughs> Get through it, champ. Yeah. There you go. Okay. So you grew up in Billings around yep. the area. Um, you have one younger brother? Yes. Okay. So growing up elementary school, middle school, high school even? On the Heights. Okay. Graduated from Skyview High School. After high school, where did you go to college? So I only applied to one college and my parents- so- bold move (laughs) i said i only want to go one place (laughs) all right and my parents were like that's not wise you need to put in more and i'm like but i don't want to go to any other ones so i didn't have a backup plan but in my head i didn't need one because that was what i was doing so i did get in thankfully but i went i uh, i put in for the american musical and dramatic academy in new york city wow and i drove to denver colorado and had to audition Mm -hmm. to get in and then they only accepted X amount of students to get in. So that was the risk I was running was Uh, it was only... There was a gate. Yes. Yeah. It was a private school, private conservatory, and thankfully I got in so I didn't have to have a backup plan. (laughs) There's a saying, something along those lines, like don't build the backup plan because otherwise you're going to have to fall back to it. Right. I think there's something to that. It's quite a challenge. Okay. So in high school then you were growing up in speech and... Were you doing speech and drama, musicals, choir... All yes. these things. I did my first show in eighth grade. Um, I played Yenta in eighth grade at Castle Rock. What a fun, fabulous role. And that's where I figured out <laughs> that I was, that I had a strength for character work. Okay. Character acting, I guess, if mm. you will. Uh, rather than, I always wanted to be the princess and the pretty one. <laughs> and I learned I had a talent otherwise. Um, mm. So after that, I didn't really audition for your normal, quote unquote, normal roles. Right. Those weren't as fun. Oh, the, the normal okay. roles weren't as fun. Um, so yeah, started in eighth grade doing musicals. I did commercials when I was little. My parents did a lot of commercials, <laughs> so they put me in them. So I was exposed to that at a young age. Sure. Um, and then in high school, yes, got deep into venture theater mm-hmm. before it even had a location uh, with Mace and Lisa, and then got really involved with all the stuff at school, and then was in drama there. Traveled doing that. Didn't do speech and debate. 
Okay. I wasn't into that. I felt like that might take too much brain power. I liked the acting portion. Fair enough. So that was my journey. And then started dancing later in high school because I realized that if I wanted to go to New York, I needed to have what they call the triple threat talent of acting, singing, and dancing. So I started that later. And that kind of all piles into musical theater pretty well. Oh, yeah. The acting, the music, the dancing. Yes. Yeah. Those are all pretty necessary if you're going to get the role you're going for. Absolutely. (laughs) The one you want. Yep. Yeah. And there's always an order, though, too. You have a strength in one of them, not all three, you know? So dancing was like, and I dance so that I can do this show. Right. But that wasn't, you know, my strength. Uh, How long was the program in New York? You had a choice to do it in two full years, taking a summer off. Mm. Uh, But I chose to go all the way through and complete in, it was like 16 or 18 months. Uh, So I I just went straight through and I didn't take a break and graduated. That is is intense. Yeah, it was fun. What was living in New York like, especially the first few months moving from Billings, Montana? A shock. Uh, I would believe it. (laughs) Thinking about it now, it still would be a shock because as we have grown, you're exposed to more here in Billings now, but Mm. we still don't have the culture that is in larger cities. Uh, so there would still be a shock for someone, I think, moving, but not as bad as it was for me because there sure. was so much that, yeah, wasn't here when I moved yeah. there. Uh, the Billings area is certainly a more blue collar industrial town. You yes. know, we have three refineries in the immediate vicinity, big train yards. <laughs> oh, yeah, I got <laughs> there. yards and, and lumber yards and all this. It's acting school. So the day I got there, they were asking me questions that my mom never raised us to ask people so and I won't even go into that but it's I mean things were just much more risque and I don't know a whole other world yeah yeah so a a culture shock I have to imagine it was just kind of a physical shock to be in in a like an incredibly busy environment like that yeah you know like here if the city wants to expand we move horizontally right (laughs) whereas that city pretty much has to go vertically yes yeah that part I liked a lot though I had visited when I was younger, my dad was at Morgan Stanley for lots of years, so he would take us kids with him out there. My mom didn't like to travel, so we would go. Mm. And so that's why I knew I wanted to move out there and live out there. So I loved walking and being with all the people. So that part didn't overwhelm me. Okay, It was more of just how upfront people were about everything. Yeah, Nothing was off limits to ask no or talk about. Barred. Oh, wow. Yeah. What are a couple things you miss about New York? Probably the people and the buildings and being able to walk everywhere. And I remember my favorite thing was to be on the streets, on the sidewalk, on like a beautiful warm day. And you'd look up and you'd see the skyscrapers and you could just walk and enjoy just uh, the architectural beauty Mm. and all the people and the break dancers on the street (laughs) and the people singing in the subway and there's just so much that happens outside there, so much life that it's, ah, oh, it's, there's never a dull moment being there. I miss sure. that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So you finished school, 18 months of pretty intense study. Oh, yeah. Where do you go from there? Good question. I started auditioning and got my first paid acting job at the Pennsylvania Renaissance Fair. Wow. Okay. So I moved to, I'm going to say this wrong if anybody's from Pennsylvania because we would get scolded if we said it wrong. But I moved outside of Lancaster is I think how you're supposed to say it. Pennsylvania. Uh, Fair enough. 
and got my first paid job, which was really cool. <laughs> what was the role you played there? I'm curious. Dole tear sheet. <laughs> and I had a gun. And I would just run around in my old barmaid clothes. And Oh, my word. We had no rules. And I had a really good friend there, uh, Happy Anderson. And he still acts and he's in the professional world now. Mm. Mm-hmm. And him and I were like, every time we'd go out there, we'd be like, so we could just eat people's food and then we wouldn't have to buy our own. Let's do it. So that's what we would do. We'd like pretend, hold them up with our guns and we'd eat their French fries and cheeseburgers. And people thought it was funny and entertaining and they'd take pictures and we'd got lunch. No way. Yeah. What way. is this? And people, ha- they were like fan members. They made buttons of us. And that, like if we'd say weird things, they'd put what we said on the bottom of the button. <laughs> people would write us letters. Oh, my goodness. Unreal. Was- Was that anything like you were expecting when you were studying in New York? No, 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 (laughs) not at all. That's fantastic. Yeah, you had had dreams of probably something like Broadway or... Oh, yeah. (laughs) And here I am running around stealing people's French fries. That's fantastic. And I'm like, what if we stole their beer? I mean, mean, come on, you have that thought. Right, of course. How far can I go? Mm -hmm. And then you're like, ah, germs, you know. Yeah, that's fair. (laughs) Okay, so your first gig is in Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. I'm curious to hear the story, take as many steps as you want, but I'm curious to hear the story of how you end up back in Billings, Montana. Oh, yikes. Okay, that is kind of a long one. Yeah. But I'll jump. I'll jump through sequentially in my head. Sure. Before I left the Renaissance Fair, they hired me for one more time to play Madonna. Mm. That was also strange because I was literally signing autographs and people were calling me Madonna. Like, that was weird, but cool. Whoa. Um. And, good character work, though. Right? It was great. This is your dream. Okay. So left the Renaissance Fair. Actually, I stayed there for a full year because I did Charles Dickens after that, mm. um, which was a ball, total ball. I had a role like Lucille Ball. Um, that was my character inspiration and sure. just fun. And then I moved back to New York where I decided I wanted to get my four-year degree. So I... Went and put in for, actually, I got a little lost. I was like, you know what? I love fashion and shoes. Maybe I should go to the Fashion Institute. Isn't that like a 21-year-old's brain? Like, oh, yeah. oh I love, yeah. I live here. Why not do this too? I have a passing interest in this. <laughs> Turns out you can't just <laughs> go there. You have to have like oh, credentials. And, okay. Yeah. So that didn't pan out. But then I, I put in for a new school university down off of 14th Street in New York City. And I continued my study there. So all my credits from AMDA, American Musical and Dramatic Academy, Mm -hmm. transferred down to New School University where I studied literature and history primarily. And I ended up getting my four-year degree from New School. So from there, I had roommates. Trust me, this is all going to lead back, but I got to keep my brain on focus. Oh, I believe it. So from there, I had roommates. And back then, you would use Craigslist. Uh, and that wasn't here yet in Billings. <laughs> and so you had to find someone that wasn't creepy off of Craigslist. Yep. You would see, oh, the internet was just still so, things were so fresh and so new. That sounds weird, <laughs> huh? But you would see things on there like live here for free, just do personal services. And I remember thinking, well, I could do, like, do they just need grocery shopping? Personal services, mm-hmm, huh? Yeah, it's what you thought it mm. was. And I don't think they allow those ads on there any longer, but that was a real thing yikes that meant something else yeah that someone had to explain to me (laughs) which goes back to growing up here because you're this girl from montana like what 
I'm like, I, I can, can help them do I, stuff. I'll dust your bookshelves. Yeah. I'll clean the bathrooms. <laughs> Sweep the kitchen. I mean, you're a broke college oh student. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So found all these roommates off of Craigslist. And one of them, one of them, though, I had known from school. Her name was Tessa, is Tessa. We're still friends. Her and I found these roommates off of Craigslist, I should say. And she was singing and she got signed. Well, I'm like, hey, I could be one of your backup dancers. And we joke about it all the time, right? Mm. One day she goes, I have a show up in Harlem. And she's like, I want you to be one of my backup dancers. And I was like, okay. Because in my head. (laughs) Like, this is not a drill, right? Yeah. This is not a joke. And in my head, even though dance wasn't my strength, I'm like, in my head, I was way better than I really was. So I was like, yeah, I want to be your backup dancer. This is going to be great. And uh, so we practiced forever and we had little shows all over before we did the big show in Harlem. And I kid you not, we did that show out there and I got pulled out on the streets in Harlem and uh, and this guy said, you can dance. Can you sing? And I'm like, what? This isn't for real. This is one of those stories where he's going to take me around a corner and kill me. Yikes. And I was like, well, yeah. And he's like, sing something. And I'm like on the sidewalk. I'm like, uh, okay. So I sang for him on the sidewalk in Harlem. (laughs) And he hands me a business card and he goes, meet me tomorrow at this location. I want you to come and sing for my partners. We have a record label. What? And I was like, oh, this is my dream. What? And so I went, I showed up and I got signed to this pop label. I don't know how much you want to go into that, but that was a whole that was fun. I got to travel, do music videos, songs what? on iTunes. Oh, it was oh, it was incredible. That is wild. Awesome. And a discovery story like that is so flipping rare. Yeah, right? What? It was so cool. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I got to do that. And, it was, and even when I moved back to Montana, they would fly me back and forth to New York or to Los Angeles and I continued to record and do videos. Jeez. Which was just a blessing. I don't even know why they yeah. kept asking me to do that. So I just kept going because I'm go. like, okay. Who says no to that? You don't. You just don't. So I did that for several years. But I realized after about almost six and a half years of being there that I missed home. I was missing my brother growing up and having relationships. And I just felt like I needed my family. And so I called my dad and I said, hey, I want to join you in the business. And he was just blown away. And and by business, that sounds like the mob. Um, <laughs> I don't mean like the garbage business. I mean, right. like that's code for mob. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, like financial industry business. Mm-hmm. So he's like, Rachel, you need to think about that. Because I just called him on a whim saying, hey, I'm ready to come home tomorrow. Yeah. And so I spent a week in Los Angeles to see if I wanted to move there. Didn't like Los Angeles at all. Felt very fake. And I said, no, I really want to come and get licensed and be a financial advisor with you. I think it's time for me to do something different. Wow. I've always kind of made decisions like that. When okay. I want to do something, I just go and I do it. If I want it, I'm going to go do it. <laughs> Fair and enough. you can't really get me to stop because that's my vision and my goal. So I'm going to get there. And then if I don't like it, I can be mad at myself, but I'm going. Sure. So anyway, he was moving to Lincoln, Nebraska. So I actually went to Lincoln, Nebraska first. And studied there and got my Series 7 license Mm -hmm. and joined him as a partner, being an advisor at Morgan Stanley. After six months of living there, he was transferred back to Billings. And so I came with him back to Billings. Uh, So I came back. So that's that's how I got back. Yeah. (laughs) So I came back in 2007, I want to say it was. (laughs) End of 2007. Okay. 
now was working as a financial advisor with my dad in the Morgan Stanley downtown Billings, Montana office. Right. That was a really long answer to What a roller question. coaster. <laughs> yeah. Everything you had with the music and the traveling and the music videos, what is it like to set something like that down? Do you ever feel regrets about that or? No, I don't feel regrets, but I do feel like I'm not done yet. So I don't, I don't regret it at all. I think that that was that time in my life. And I think there's something else that I'm supposed to do. And I'm kind of trying to figure out what that is. Interesting. Now. So you're finally back in Billings Mm -hmm. and working for Morgan Stanley or like working with your dad in Morgan Stanley as a financial advisor. Quite the change from the life you had just previous. I eventually want to get us to what you currently do for work. Okay. Uh, so you and your dad are working together mm-hmm. as so he was, advisors. Yep. He was managing the branch at Morgan Stanley and we were partnered. I had to build my own book there. So I didn't get to write off of the, the business that he had built himself ah, in okay. any way, shape or form. And, uh, oh, so when you say book, you're building your own book of clients. Mm-hmm. It's a very much an entrepreneurial venture at the same time. Oh, absolutely. Putting your financial knowledge to the test. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So you get series seven licensed. That's great. But until you have clientele, you've got nothing. Right. I had to go out. I had to cold call. I had a list and I had to just call and be like, hey, this is Rachel. I'm at Morgan Stanley. You know, are you looking for a financial advisor? Would you like to come in? Uh, I got hung up on a lot. Mm -hmm. Cold calling is not any fun. No. But if I didn't hit these points, first of all, if I wouldn't have passed my Series 7, my dad would have had to fire me. So that's number one. Okay. If you don't pass the test, you're fired. High stakes. black and white deal. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So thank goodness I passed. But next up (laughs) is no one can feed you what they call assets or or assets under management. Right. No one can feed you those. Mm. You have to build that yourself. And Mm -hmm. I don't know how that is now going in because I think people can actually buy other people's books and survive in the business. But when I started, you that wasn't a thing. Interesting. You had to call and acquire the account yourself and you had to hit these goals, these financial goals before you could partner with somebody. Mm -hmm. And if you didn't hit these goals, you were fired. So every six months you'd have this goal and they were tight goals. I mean, Looking back, I don't even know how I did it because you'd be like, it's going in at the skin of my teeth. Yeah. So that was me building the business before I could join Randy. But during okay. that whole time, I assisted him and that helped me continue to learn the business as I was bringing in my own clientele. And then we mm. merged our books together and partnered mm-hmm. um, there. Thanks for joining us on No Normal People this week. If you'd like to connect with our show on social media, you can do so at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all at the tags at NoPeoplePod. That's K-N-O-W, PeoplePod. And be sure to check out and use our hashtags, NoNormalPeople and KNP. If you're enjoying this show and would like to tell us about it, the best way to do so would be on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five-star review. And for Android users, head over to facebook.com slash nopeoplepod and leave us a recommendation and a review. This helps get the word out about the show organically and helps us defeat our algorithm overlords. If you work for, operate, or own a business that would like to advertise in this section of our podcast, please contact me, Stephen, directly at nopeoplepod at gmail.com. Let's get back to my interview with Rachel Bonner. Would you give kind of the classic job description for a financial advisor? Because up until very recently, I didn't know what a financial advisor was versus a financial planner even, because I understand that they have separate 
You can be a financial advisor and a financial planner. Right. So what what does a financial advisor do? I I understand that they're more than a like a financial coach who's just helping you like put together a budget <laughs> and learn how to live through that. Right. So kind of the basics is a client comes into you. Yes. They're making money. They're saying, I want to know how to invest this for retirement or yeah. to save for a house down payment. Yeah. Or they These, got an inheritance. Right. So they, yeah. So money is coming to you. They're bringing the money to you for advice mm-hmm. on where to put it, where to right. park it in order for it to grow. And you, you have the knowledge of the markets to know stocks, bonds, mutual funds help set these things up for your clients so that they know where their money is going. So basically we set up a plan and it's based on risk tolerance, how old the client is, obviously, and objectives and their goals. Mm-hmm. So as mm. a financial advisor, I now have people coming in and this is where it gets really fun and this is where it's become more meaningful Someone comes in and I don't care where they're at in their financial stage, if they're in the beginning, middle or at retirement, taking income out. We do a full assessment now. And not every single advisor does this. You, you, you get what you want to. So if a person comes in and says, I don't want that portion, obviously you're not going to pursue that. But right. I love going through and doing a full financial assessment when they come in and finding out debt versus income versus the investments they have. Where do they want to go? What is their risk tolerance? Making sure they are financially healthy. If they're not, let's get them financially healthy. And then setting that plan up and really explaining so they understand. And that doesn't happen in one meeting. So it's an ongoing education to help people understand, you know, what their money is doing, how it's invested, how it works, and also to give them that comfort and again, education on how the stock market works. And when it goes down, explaining to them the positives of it going down right so that when it does and and preparing them for that because it will it always does Mm -hmm. but preparing them for that in a more exciting way showing them you know if you're in your retirement phase you're set up this way here's what it's going to look like but you're still getting your income or you're in your saving period and we're going to reinvest all of your dividends that are coming off of your investments Mm -hmm. so when the market goes down you are buying stuff on clearance. Who doesn't like stuff on clearance? <laughs> and then the market comes back and you're making even, I mean, just explaining to people how it works so they have yes. the comfort of knowing that they're okay, they're in healthy, you know, investments and where they're going. And then just periodically meeting to make sure that their goals have stayed the same, that they're on the same path, that nothing's changed. They haven't had a job change, et cetera. So, I mean, uh-huh. you're a really close person in yeah. their life. So for me, it's not just taking an account and just saying, here's what you should be invested in. It's like a, it's a holistic, it's a that, whole process. I love that. Yeah. I think that's the exact attitude that you need for mm-hmm. someone in, in your job. Like it's it's frustrating to me that there are some people in your role that take it as, oh, they gave me their money to invest and they just do it. They're not putting the time into the education and yeah, you, they don't have that heart of a teacher to take their client and show them exactly, you know, I think these mutual funds are good for you based on X, Y, and Z factors that we've already talked about. Right. This is why it's good. You know, I'm keeping all these things in mind. Mm-hmm. And like you, like if I was your client, you'd be teaching me, this is why I'm making that decision. Right. And not just making it for me. Yeah. So I'm not just like writing you a check and you put it in whatever account is best. Yes. I know what is best because you've taught me. We yeah. Work, and you're not we leaving. Together. You're not leaving going, well, I kind of understood. It's not like a doctor's appointment yeah. where you're like, well, they kind of told me what I had, but it was such a long word that I don't really understand. And I understood in the moment, but I don't understand anymore. Oh my goodness. Yes. 
it's like <laughs> I want you to actually grasp like a little bit because you can't teach everybody everything oh. in one meeting, but just right. ongoing. Yeah, people understanding what they're doing because it's so, and you hear from spouses, you know, that, that are typically older where, you know, the other one did all the investing and then they pass away. And then this, the, the one that's living still, they don't have a clue how it worked. Right. And yes, that's terrifying. And that is a hundred percent what I am keeping in mind. So Dixie and I are just about to finish Dave Ramsey's baby step three. Mm-hmm. We got out of debt. We're, bu- we're building our emergency fund, which already has come into play. And it's just the, the amount of freedom you feel when you don't have any debt hanging over you. You don't have the payments. You yes. have a savings account that can handle something. Yep. So we're just about to enter baby steps four, five, and six. And mm-hmm. four is sitting down with what he calls like an endorsed, like, what does he call it? ELP. ELP, right. Smart Vester Pro. So we have three in, in our office. In your office. Yes. Oh my goodness. And I think I'm going to be working with them probably. Ones. I love that. Okay. So Dixie and I are just about to enter this phase where we're going to get really serious about putting a good chunk of our income in, into retirement savings, into like house down payment savings, mm-hmm. all these things. And knowing what I know about the program and knowing what I know about what good financial advisors do. I, I've told Dixie this, like we're going to go meet with a few of these people here in town and we are interviewing them. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we need someone who you feel like you can learn from because I breathe this stuff. It's just right. endlessly interesting to me, mm-hmm. but I need to know that there's a financial advisor that we've put in our corner that Dixie is so comfortable with that she can learn from Yeah. and understand, you know, God forbid anything happened to me. Like we have the life insurance in place. We have the will in place, all these things, but that the financial advisor moving forward can be someone in her corner Yeah, so that she doesn't have to like, well, Steven just handled all this stuff. Right. You know, someone that you both trust and feel comfortable with. That's so key. It's the biggest key. Mm -hmm. Trusting. That's the biggest part of it. It's a lot of relationship building more than just talking details. I agree. A hundred percent. Yeah. It really is. And you kind of hit on it a little bit too. I mean, in our industry now, it's the whole plan. So, mm. you know, if you don't have a, a plan for, let's say you needed a trust or you needed life insurance or, mm-hmm. I mean, we do the entire thing now. Like that's part of the whole financial assessment. There's so much involved there. That's very cool. And so you do this on an individual basis. Yeah. And you have for a while, mm-hmm. but now you are branch manager at First Financial here in Billings, mm-hmm. overseeing how many advisors? 20 or 21. My goodness. 20 or 21. Okay. I, so I oversee the Billings office and I took that over four years ago. And then I oversee an office in Casper, Wyoming, Wells Asset Management, but mm-hmm. it's part of First Financial Billings. And then I oversee an office in Fargo, North Dakota. Wow. Yeah. So on the client level, we've talked about kind of the trust level you have to build, the relationship building that you're doing, helping people do a pretty wide assessment of their financial realities right? and where they want to go in the future. But then you're also a leader in the office yeah, and you are creating trust and creating relationship with the people that answer to you Mm -hmm. and that you are leading this team into a market like this. I know from past conversations between the two of us that you are a student of leadership Mm -hmm. and a student of culture building. Oh yeah. What have been some of your favorite books, video series, trainings, conferences? Yeah. What 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 kind of events 
have you valued the most in growing in your your leadership skills and also your you know advisor to client relationships? So the Global Leadership Conference locally is where I started, and that was awesome. I hadn't really done anything like that before, so it was a really good intro to that world of leadership. From there, John, my husband, yeah, he sought out an owner in town of a company and wanted to get some mentorship from him. And we started meeting at their house on a weekly basis, going through Dave Ramsey's Entre Leadership book. Yeah. And okay. what a lot of people don't realize is they think Dave Ramsey is just financial and they don't know this other arm of oh, yeah. Ramsey, which yep. is the Entre Leadership side. So he built this financial side that's just a beast and it's thriving. So he's like, <laughs> why don't I write a book to tell people how I did this, what works, what doesn't work? Exactly. So the Entre Leadership book comes in. Yep. And really, that's a playbook for anybody to take in. John uses it, uses it as his handbook at work. If you don't like what's in there, you don't ride this train, basically. And my work is is different from John's work in the sense it's all the same because you're working with people, right? Sure, yeah. But I'm working with people who are essentially independent. Uh, so it's a little bit different yeah. leadership than how he gets to do it. I've had to get a little bit more creative <laughs> uh, with it. But that's so meeting one-on-one or weekly. So so seeking someone out. And I have to give John that credit. He sought out the uh, Hoffmans. Yeah. They own Mattress King. And that's a personal mentor mm-hmm. yes. you're looking for. Yeah. Okay. Um, and it doesn't have to be someone you meet face-to-face because... I listen to podcasts. I mean, oh, I love podcasts. I mean, the internet is free education. It's true. So you find someone you like and that that kind of speaks your language and revs you up and gives you inspiration. Mm -hmm. I just listen to everything they have, you know, but we we got to meet with them weekly and we still meet with them. And that was great because we went chapter by chapter through that book and talked through it. And we spent a year and a half before we introduced it. To anybody else. Wow. So I watched John make personal changes and I worked through mine and his and mine were completely different mm-hmm. as to what we were working on. But it's kind of like the Bible. You go back through and you read it again <laughs> and you're like, I don't remember that part, but that's because you weren't ready to work on that part. Oh. So you got to read it again and again and again. And wow. Again. So I've read yes. it like 10 or 12 times now. Uh, and each time something new sticks out and you're like, ah, it's time to start doing that. But because you can't implement everything overnight. In fact, if you can just change one or two things a year, you're doing good. Right. Because that sets you on quite a trajectory. Well, yeah. Focused intensity over time, right? Exactly. So that was the next step. And then the step after that was, okay, we have to go see Dave Ramsey live. We have to invest in ourselves and pay the money. So it's cool. expensive, but so you're investing cool. in yourself. Yes. And go to the Entre Leadership Conference. And it was amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the most brilliant <laughs> business people that you could get your hands on right. right in front of you speaking, sharing their wisdom and their knowledge and their failures, wow. which became opportunities mm-hmm. right there in front of you. I mean, just incredible. Um, and then I love Rachel Hollis. Um, I don't know if you've heard of her. I'm familiar-ish. <laughs> well, she wrote Girl, Wash Your Face. Okay. And then she also wrote Girl, Stop Apologizing. Oh. And so those two, Girl, Wash Your Face changed me personally. I don't know why. It was just the right time for me to read it. And that kind of sent me on a journey of more intense self-growth. And I'm always into self-growth, but that was just like another level of Mm -hmm. it. 
So I went to her personal conference, which if you're not healthy personally and relationally, your business will suffer because you're not personally healthy. Oh, right? yes. Yep. If you don't invest in yourself and you're just doing all these business conferences, but you're avoiding your own personal stuff, you come, you hit a ceiling. But my husband saw me just completely obsessed. That's probably a terrible word to use, but I just love her. <laughs> right. And there, a, a Rise Business Conference came up. And so him and I went to that. So that was co-ed, but she has a lot of female followers. So there was, <laughs> it was co-ed, but it was still female dominant, which was kind of funny. Right. Different energy, but again, some of the wisest people in the room. And that's where I saw Brendan Bouchard, which oh, yes. in 2019, that's where he kind of came about. And he runs a university for high performing people. Yep. And you can go and learn and train from him and, and all these people from Ramsey and Rachel Hollis. Um, and Rachel Hollis has a huge Ramsey fan. They all start to tie over and you're hearing the same messages and you're seeing yep. the same speakers. Yeah, it's and weird you, how that happens. Huh? Oh, it's so funny. And then a lot of them came from Tony Robbins. Right. You know, and so that's that's a whole other thing. But super <laughs> cool. But Brendan Bouchard, oh, yeah. that's my latest, is he is... High performance habits. High performance habits. Yes. It's a brilliant book. So I'd say... Entre Leadership, and I know you didn't ask me what my favorite books are, but... This is where it started. Yeah, Entre Leadership yeah. is like the playbook that you go over and over and over to be a better leader, run a better business, and have and, and have everyone around you read it so they know what you're about, but also that you can have those meaningful, fruitful conversations that will actually change your culture and yeah. change how you're doing things at work. Because you can go in and you can attempt to change things, but that doesn't work unless people have buy-in. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Jamie Beeson and I, on her episode, we were talking about how, you know, at the gym, she's experiencing this, this thing where they asked her to help kind of build their culture. It was in a kind of a toxic, unhealthy place. Mm -hmm. And we're talking about how like, you know, we can implement as many systems and strategies as we want, but if we don't have the underlying, like we don't have the culture just right underneath, you know, we're leaning our ladder up against the wrong wall at that. Yeah. We might as well be at that point because yeah. we're not building on a foundation that's worth building on, worth right. keeping. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's crazy. And that goes back to that train. Yes, you know, absolutely. Hey, this is the train. It's going this way. If you don't like it, jump off the train. We love you. We still want you to do well. Right. This just isn't the right train for you. Yeah. My goodness. Okay. You are studied in fine arts. You're a performer, singer, dancer. Mm -hmm. songwriter a little bit a little right? bit yep. yeah mm -hmm. uh, i actually like doing that it's just you see how many don't get used and you're like what's the point right that's fair <laughs> on top of that then you became a financial advisor mm -hmm. you're a leader you're married to someone who's a business owner operator leader of his own business and you just became a mom in the last few years mm -hmm. my yeah. good could we add any more to your plate it's tricky <laughs> It's true. She's actually to an age where I can. Okay. Which is neat. Yeah. Yeah. There was a while there where you're, my, so Randy, my father mm -hmm. had bought first financial. So I had not had savvy yet. I was uh, towards the end of my pregnancy and he, he said, it's happening. You ready to take over? I hadn't even <laughs> had my baby yet. Oh my goodness. And I was, I was scheduled to take a three month leave right you know i'm like uh yeah because what are you gonna say no not yet you don't right. have an option yeah so yeah i had savvy and i think i took a month month and a half 
off. A lot of that was my own personal choice. I'm a mover, goer, communicator, extrovert. Being home was hard for me, Okay, honestly. Uh, so getting a couple days of work in here and there was like a treat. Oh, present. okay. Um, so being a mom is the biggest gift in the entire world. But being able to go to work too is a yeah. gift. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's something that the Rachel Hollis thing helped me get over because I did have the mom guilt. Oh. Um, I don't have that anymore. Mm-hmm. And basically she's like, your child gets to watch you growing up. I know my child gets to watch me while I'm leading and I'm teaching her how to be an independent woman right and a leader like you know so be proud of what you're doing and what you're showing your children don't feel guilty that you're not at home yeah and oh she's awesome and she is not (laughs) suffering from me going to you know work yeah um my mom was home with me and it was the biggest blessing in the world so i think that probably gave me some of that guilt too because i know it's like to have a mom just always there right that is the biggest blessing in the world (laughs) if you're a stay-at-home mom it's the hardest job in the world I only did it for a month and a half and I, it's hard. <laughs> the kid didn't even get a month and a half old. And oh, I was like, I yeah. gotta, you know. Right. So I don't know the true staying at home struggle, but I just sure. know that it is the hardest job in the world. Yeah. But at the same time, if a person works, if a mom works and, and has a child, there's no reason to feel guilty about going to work. Mm, that's Because you're good. teaching them good things, work ethic. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you're, you're modeling a life yeah. that they could have. Yes. Um, and that they will have quite honestly, if you're building that kind of, I mean, it, it kind of goes back to culture building as well. Like yeah. if you're building your home in such a way that, you know, we have energy, we're passionate about what we're interested in mm-hmm. and we go get it, yep. you know, she's going to have a good life. And she gets to come do stuff too. Oh, absolutely. So that's yep. neat. So on top of all this as well, now, now we added parent, you're still involved in local community theater <laughs> yeah. here in Billings. Yes. Which is, in fact, how we met. Mm-hmm. I was in the 10th grade wow. in high school, and Dixie was a senior in high school, and we both uh, auditioned and got into the Buddy Holly story at Billings Studio Theater here yep. in Billings. I was cast as one of the trio in the Buddy Holly band as the drummer. They needed a kid mm-hmm. who could play drums and who could sing and who could act, Ugh. which in Billings, Montana is like quite Rare. a small market. Rare. <laughs> yeah. So I was, I was very lucky, very excited to get in on that. And Dixie got a, a, uh, a supporting role. Mm-hmm. She got to be in a lot of the, uh, the background dancing and supporting vocals, all these things. And you <laughs> <laughs> really got into the, the character acting that you loved so Maria much. Maria Elena. Oh my goodness. Yes. What is that TV show? Um, it was the Spanish lady and she was on there. That's where I got the, I don't remember the name of the show. It, it does remind me of, I always forget her name, but it reminds me of the mom on Modern Family. You know That's that show? It, that is where I okay. got it. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Fantastic. I had not done that accent before and <laughs> I heard about the role and I'm like, where have I heard it? Where did, and so I was watching Modern Family and I'm like, her. And so I just there watched it, it, studied it and went in and used her accent oh my goodness and that's why it sounds like her because that's where i stole it from right yeah. yeah that's great yeah so that's where you and i originally met was yeah in, uh, that's crazy <laughs> local theater right yeah you're still involved in theater is that correct i took a break mm-hmm. a pretty long break actually uh i was doing shows back to back to back to back to back so i took a break from that world and i just i went back 
last year, 2019, and did a role, and it reminded me how much I love it. Yes. Oh, it was so fun. Mm-hmm. And the, and got to play little character roles, do a little improv. They let me go loose a little bit. <laughs> um, and I'm just so grateful that that I got to do that. Uh, and that kind of re-inspires that whole question of do I regret not doing it any longer or, you know, yeah, staying here? Yeah, absolutely. And I don't because there's just, there's still big things and I just don't know what they are. Okay. Then is there anything apart from what we've talked about already that you would say you're passionate about? In other words, what? could you think and talk about when you have nothing else to think and talk about? That's my favorite way of rephrasing that question. I, okay. Here's where I'm at in my life. Yeah. I'm at a point where serving people, helping people, things on a larger, bigger scale where I can make a difference with the gifts that God's given me and is trusting me with. Mm. I'm at a point of figuring out what that is. Where am I going with that? So, so my passion is acting, singing, not dancing is not really in there, but acting, singing, speaking, connecting with people, making people feel comfortable when they're not comfortable. Yeah. You know, being able to do that. Mm -hmm. That's something that I've been blessed with. And believe it or not, listening, I do a lot of listening. Mm -hmm. And I sometimes feel like people tell me way more than they would ever tell anyone else. And I don't want to take that for granted or abuse something that people share with me because they get comfortable. So just combining all those gifts, those are my passions. Right. They're also my gifts. So I guess I... Put you right in the sweet spot. Well, it does. Yeah. So every day I write down my goals and they're pretty much the same every day. And I keep writing down using my gifts to help people, whether it be online, in person, you know, whatever. And singing on the worship team, I believe that that is one aspect of helping people in an indirect way. Right. I don't know. There's something else. In <laughs> and so I don't know what, so I don't know how to answer that other than it's there. We'll see it. It will come out. Sure. I'm working on it. And maybe this is step one of something. I don't know. Could be. Yeah. I you mean, you invited me here and own. I get to talk. There you go. <laughs> I don't know. So yeah, just somehow using my strengths to help people. Sure. Mm-hmm. It seems like you're there already, at least in kind of the, uh, the meta service that you provide as a financial advisor, you know, you get to yes. listen a lot. You get to kind of coach people into a place. You get to educate. Yeah. You get to speak. And at the same time, you know, uh, you and I go to the same church and mm-hmm. you're involved in the worship team. You sing. You just said you're just kind of dipping your toe back into local community theater mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Getting to sing and act. Yeah. So, yes, you are correct. But you feel like there's a level up There's something more that is like Ah, calling me and I don't know what it is. Okay. So, and every day I just, I want to be a light in people's lives. Mm -hmm. I have so much purpose at my work and I feel so strongly about how we are helping people. It's amazing. Yeah. And I love church and worshiping, but yeah, I just, there's something else and I can't put my finger on it. And maybe I need to stop looking at it like this because- Everything's in baby steps. Sure. So yes. I'm probably on my way there. I just don't know what it is or where right. it's going. But okay. It's something. Well, so you mentioned that every day you kind of write through some goals. Are there any other like habits and routines that you work through on a daily basis to keep you going at work, keep you going with the the family at home, all these things? So a good day for me and what I found makes me fire on all cylinders is a good night's sleep, getting up at least two hours earlier. I love to go sit down in my chair after making my spark. Yes. And I've been trying to do a lemon water too, because okay. I find if I drink eight to 12 ounces of water right away in the morning, my body wants it all day long. 
And that's one of my other things is oh. drinking water makes yeah. me feel so much better. But if I don't have that first eight to 12 ounces in the morning, this probably sounds so weird, then I'm not on track for the whole day yeah. drinking my water. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, I can drink this tea and this coffee. And But if I start with that glass and then let myself have my spark, yes, I'm now on the road to wanting more water. It's That's great. mental thing. Yep. So then I go sit in my chair. And if it's cold enough, I turn my fireplace on. I read my devotionals in the morning. And I have a personal calendar. And I have goals personally. Health and weight has been one And I like to track where I'm at in terms of, did I eat good that day? Okay. Did I work out that day, et cetera? And I just kind of notate what I did well and what maybe got in my way. Um, So I do my little calendar and I kind of track all the things that are personal goals of mine on my calendar. And then I do my gratefuls. So I write five gratefuls every morning, which Mm. causes me to look for gratefuls every day because I know every morning I'm going to write my grateful. So even on days I wake up late, that's the one thing that I don't stray from. You're paying attention to it. Yes. Yes. I make sure to always write my gratefuls before I leave for work, even if I'm late. And then I write the same 10 goals every day. Not to say that those haven't changed or morphed. And they're audacious goals. So they're goals that I can see myself achieving in the next one, three, five, and 10 years. Mm -hmm. And some of them that might seem completely unattainable. They're attainable. All of them are attainable. It's not like I want to... You know, talk to a frog and understand what he's saying back to me. (laughs) It's like, you know, some of them are so far out there that it would seem, you know, like, Rachel, you're crazy. But that's the goals you want. Yeah. Um, So I write those every single day. But some of them are never going to leave my list, which, you know, being present with Savvy is never going to leave my goal list. Yes. Um, Being the healthiest I've ever been is never going to leave my goal list. Um, So some of those are going to stay forever. Mm -hmm. So I do that. And then I go downstairs. I've loved gyms for years and years, but I'm really enjoying working out at home. So I go downstairs, I do a 30 to 45 minute workout and then I go upstairs and get ready. But that's what starts my day off. Awesome. So if I, so that routine, that's the the ideal morning. Oh yeah. And you get that movement in Yeah. on days that I'm late. I do 10 minutes of just something Okay. just to get my body going. And I swear to you, zero movement versus 10 minutes changes your whole day and how things are thrown at you and stress and whatever else so true and then something i added in last week and i'm loving it and i i wanted to add it in for a long time now but you can't do everything at once you gotta go in baby steps yes but meditating oh yeah okay i love yes okay so i started doing 10 to 15 minutes of meditating before uh let's see here i've been doing it right when i go sit in my chair and then i do that whole process that i told you about are you doing completely unguided or do you use an app to help kind of guide you through a sit so i it's guided i have a word um not allowed to tell anybody my word and you just use that so you close your eyes almost a mantra Mm -hmm. meditation yes okay your mantra so this is this is probably a step or two beyond just simple quote unquote simple like mindfulness meditation Mm -hmm. okay yeah very cool yeah so i was blessed to learn how to do that. I love that you're not allowed to say your word either. Oh, like yeah. it's, yours. No, it's yours. It's private. It's only yours. That's fantastic. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So that's that. So that's, that's my routine. And I'm getting more into nighttime routines that's now. Very cool. Yeah. Okay. Let's that, talk about nighttime. Okay. So the key for me in the last few months has been, I have a planner mm-hmm. and I've always struggled with time. And I think that's a common struggle. And my phone, I tried to time block things out on my phone. It just wasn't working. So I bought a 
paper planner that's daily and has times broken out. I'm scheduling oh, everything. Yeah. And that has to be intentional. It has to be a, a want. But, oh, I'm just obsessed with it because it's working. Great. So I schedule everything out right down to I pick Savvy up at this time. I do dinner at this time. We'll do bath time at this time because then she's got a nighttime routine. Mm -hmm. And then I put mine in with hers. And now I'm really, I've got that morning thing down. The nighttime routine is something where finding ways to relax yourself. So I haven't nailed this completely, but getting wound down at least an hour before your bedtime, mm. knowing what your bedtime should be, which I am terrible in that category. It's I like so to stay key. up sometimes yes. and just do silly things. Like I almost have to schedule what's called free time in there. And I, I don't have this completely nailed down because I feel like I'm still trying to catch up on things, but this planner's helping me catch up on things. Right. What kind of time increments are used in your planner? 15 minute. 15 minute blocks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And honestly, I'm thriving on it. You'd think that someone wouldn't like that much, but you know what you are capable of getting done if you're writing it down. Mm -hmm. And you have to then be honest with yourself on all these things that you are behind on. Everyone has a list of things they want to get done, right? Yes. And, and I'm, but I'm also going to flip this too, because I don't want to forget to bring it up. We also have free time, right? Mm -hmm. Or time where we're like, oh, sometimes where we're like, we just want to be lazy or times where we know we should be doing something, but we have so much we don't know what to choose. Yeah. This is forcing me to choose. Yeah. Forces you to choose. But also, I would argue, you don't get to call it lazy if you actually schedule the and unstructured that's time. That's what I wanted to bring up. Is That's so good. Yes. I'm actually scheduling, okay, Rachel, you get to watch a TV show after Savvy gets goes to bed from 8 to 10. Yes. You know? Or you get to play on your phone on your stupid woodblock game. <laughs> I love this game. It's mindless. But I feel like sometimes you need space where you're not doing anything. Yeah. Just resting your brain. So, so yeah, it's gotten to the point where I'm scheduling my free time. And then I know what we're doing. And Savvy loves it because then she knows what we're doing. Oh, that's so good. So to wind us down, I'm curious to ask what you are currently reading. My most current book is called The Artist's Way. And so far, it's so interesting because it's to unlock your creativity right. no matter what you do. So even if you're not in a job or a place or of, of using something that you think is creative, if you don't have that creativity unlocked, are you really like living your full yeah. life? Okay. You know, are you really being yourself and right. confident in who you are and the ideas you have? But then I have like another book I'm listening to that's called Of Mess and Moxie. I can't Ooh, remember who's the writer. Oh, that sounds good. Oh, it's fun. Um, the lady that wrote it, Jen Hatmaker. Oh, she's hilarious. I love her. She's so yes. funny. Are there any books in your stacks that you regularly revisit? I know Entre Leadership is one of them. Mm -hmm. High Performance Habits is probably in there. Mm -hmm. Yes. Henry Cloud has books that I revisit. Like boundaries? Um, love boundaries. Yes. I've listened to that a few times. And and honestly, boundaries in marriage is good for anyone and everyone and both parties involved and to be listened to over and over just yeah. because we can enable enable our closest person to us when really we could be helping ourselves and helping them, right? Right. With our boundaries. That's so good. What are you currently listening to? I want to start with music. Okay. What's your What's your go-to when you open something like Spotify? I love pop music. I just do. And yeah. I always will. And it okay. just gets me. And I just, I want to sing to it. I want to dance to it. That's what I'm going to clean my house to. So I go in between pop music and worship music, mm. honestly. Okay. What about podcasts? 
so if I open my podcast now, Rachel Hollis is like always my number one to see what's new. She's I up love, there. Okay. Uh, business and personal development. She's mm-hmm. wonderful. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Rachel, thank you for being on the podcast. This has been a blast. It has been fun. Thank you. Yeah. Will you close us out by reading our quote? I would love to. The only normal people you know are the ones you don't know very well. <laughs>